Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, pitchers and catchers have reported. Happy days are here again. Are, were you like having a party? Oh, I'm getting pictures sent to me every day. Yeah, you're. Yeah. you're There's nothing like a still picture of somebody pitching. Well, you got like pictures of dirt and stuff there too. It's, well, did you hear about the dirt? Tell me about the. So dirt. they actually. Brought, we are going to open our show talking about yeah, dirt. They actually brought in the same exact dirt that they use at the stadium to the field in Clearwater, be, so that they get used to the same type of hops and rolls. Okay. That seems a bit extreme, but hey, Look, if it works, I'll take it. They're a professional baseball team. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll take it. And there's your dirt story of the day. I, you know, Jeff, I knew there's a reason. You know, we always like to think together. that we're a positive show, but we actually started the show with dirt. We did. We did. Um, where do we go from there? Um, what is going on in your sports world this week? We're at the All Star break. Sports world. Yeah, we're at the All Star break. Yeah. Uh, Flyers back playing again. Still no sign of life from Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. Oh, they're alive. They're just not <laughs> signing with anybody. Apparently, they're taking more meetings, which I told you last week that they were. Manny Machado, it was, he's not taking any more meetings. And then yesterday it was, oh, by the way, he met with the Padres in Miami. I'm going to talk more baseball with you later when we get a chance. Yeah. But when does this national nightmare end? It's not a national nightmare. It's just, my nightmare. Ju- just so people don't realize the, fa- the sky is falling. Um, and I believe Matt Klintak is more right than wrong on this. They had a very good offseason. I'm going to get there. And, and if if I'm an odds, I'm not an odds maker, but the odds makers in Vegas say that they have the fifth best odds of winning the World Series. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, not me, Vegas. I'm going to get to the Phillies. Yeah. But it's the all-star break in the NBA. Uh-huh. And the last time we had Mike O'Connor on, it was just after the start of the season. Mike, there's a few different faces on this roster since we last talked to you in early October. Uh, they have, they've done quite the overall. I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's eight new guys since the start of the season. I could it could be off by one or two, but so what, when yeah, I think Brett, I think uh, Brett Brown said the other day he feels like it's the third team he's coached this year. <laughs> so at the beginning of the season, on the seats they had the, all the players on a T-shirt. Do you still have that T-shirt? No, I do. Do you know if they're making another one? <laughs> I I don't have it. I have. They gave us a a laptop sticker that had the same uh, the same pattern on it, and I think I think the only guys left are Ben, Joel, and JJ. It really is amazing the the turnover that's happened. Obviously, as we hit the break, lots of changes on this roster, particularly with the trade a few weeks ago at the deadline. Can you talk with us for a minute about what you're seeing out of the starting five the Sixers have right now? They're all averaging in double digits. Obviously, need to learn how to play together. But what are your thoughts on where this starting rotation stands right now? I think, like as of now, I think I think the returns have been really good. I mean, the one area, uh, the one the one thing that's really given some people pause is the Celtics game, um, because obviously that was Tobias Harris's worst game so far as a Sixer, um, and you know that that is definitely warranting some concern. I think that game, Tobias really showed that. The Celtics' physicality and, and their just their versatility, their length, their athleticism kind of got under him a little bit. I don't think he matched that really well. But, you know, I, I do think that his game in general is a really good complement to what the Sixers already had and what they needed. Um, you know, I think a guy like Wilson Chandler, a lot of times teams were able to hide their worst defender on him, and that's just not something you can do with Tobias Harris. Like, when you play – 
the Celtics or the Raptors, for example, they're going to have to put Kyrie Irving or, or Kyle Lowry on J.J. Redick or on Jimmy Butler. And that's a really tough matchup for other teams. Um, so I, I think early on there's a lot of stuff they're working out, and I think there's some reason to be, you know, just, just kind of question how much Tobias is going to add. But I think his skill set in general is a really good compliment. So my biggest concern came in the Lakers game, actually. Watching LeBron okay. James just fall back when Ben Simmons took the ball. And to me, you're, please tell me why I'm wrong here. I do it all the time, yeah. so don't worry about that. I think that this year Ben Simmons would be best – the team would be best served if he were the four and Jimmy Butler were bringing the ball up so that the spacing would be better. The you know, silence from Mikey, say. I'm enjoying. You don't have to be diplomatic. You can tell me I'm nuts. Jason I'm, does all the time. No, it's it's a real question. But, you know, the, the thing is that that spacing is going to hurt either way, right? I mean, if Ben doesn't have the ball, they're just going to be able to cheat off of him and pretty much disrupt everything that Jimmy and Joel and, and everybody else does, right? So with with Ben, yes, it is a big problem that – you know, guys like LeBron can sag all the way back into the lane and, you know, he, Ben can't really do too much to stop that. But it's just as big of a problem when he doesn't have the ball and when Joel is in the post and they can double team off of Ben to get the ball out of his hand. So, you know, I, I think a lot of it is just kind of living with Ben Simmons. He's going to do some unbelievable things with the ball in his, in his hands, but he's going he's gonna to cost you at times. Just the... the utter inability and, and refusal to shoot. I mean, teams know how to exploit that. It's the NBA. They're going to find ways to cheat off of him and, and get under other guys' skin, and that's going to happen no matter who has the ball. Okay, so you use the phrase refusal to shoot. You, you go to practice yeah. a lot. When you're at practice, mm -hmm. do you see a guy who can shoot and, and for some reason we just don't see it in the games, or do you see a guy who right now doesn't have the ability to shoot? I think – I think he's a better shooter than than you might think. Uh, I mean, in practice, he, he I would say he makes a little over half of his threes that we see. Um, but, I mean, that, that might just tell you how much better these guys are than the normal population. Um, but, you know, I, I do think it is something that Ben should do more. It's something he should take. I mean, you saw that pull-up three he took against the Lakers. It almost went in. I mean, at the end of the day, guys like that are taking – over a hundred threes a day, minimum, minimum. And if you give somebody time to check the wind, he should be able to hit some of them, right? So I, I do think it's something he should pull out more often. And I wouldn't be surprised if we do see it a little more often. But to this point, I think the word refusal is is a fair word. Like he he has it was his first real three pointer in a year and a half into his career. I mean, I said to Jeff, it, it's a pr it, it's a problem when I get a text notification from every major sports app. That Ben Simmons took a three pointer in a game, and and took, and took it and missed and yeah. missed and and I mean I liken it to you know running the play action pass in the NFL. You know if you don't actually run the ball, sometimes they're not going to buy the play action pass. If he doesn't shoot the ball, even if he's going to miss it, there's no reason for them to stay up on him. So I just I think you have to at least show the idea that you're going to shoot, even if you don't want to. Does that make sense? Totally. And and who's the best example? That's Joel, right? Joel shoots thirty percent, and yet. Every time you pump fakes, guys go for it. Um, and, you know, there, there are other guys in the league. Like, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I, I dropped a name like Jeremy Grant, who's a lot better shooter now than he was uh, when he was on the Sixers. 
But when he was on the Sixers, he still took the corner three, right? And that allowed them to space the floor, and it allowed them to pump fake and, and go by somebody. With Ben, you don't see that. And I think, you know, there are so many guys in the league who shoot 30% or below who still shoot that three, and it helps the offense because guys are going to stay with them out there a little bit. And that, that's that's really why I think he should go for it. Along those lines, the Sixers continue to have problems with stopping guards and dribble penetration. Is this a new team trying to figure out how to play together that's just an old problem carrying over, or is this going to be continuing to be a problem with guards that, that we just have a hard time matching up with them sometimes? I think it, it will continue to be a problem just because of of who you know who this team has. I mean, you think about there just aren't really any guard defenders on this team, right? I mean, their best defender, their, their best option is Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is six foot seven, right? I mean, it's hard. It's hard for him, anybody that size, to keep up with Kyrie Irving or to keep up with Terry Rozier, right? And, you know, you can't really name other guys on the team who are going to match up with them. I mean, TJ McConnell works hard, but he's not a stopper, right? And even Jonathan Simmons, he's like six six. He's a good on-ball defender, but he's only going to be playing 15 minutes a game. Um, I mean, it's just the, the roster doesn't have guys who are fit to, to, to stop dynamic point guards. And it's like you said, it's something you live with, right? Because on the other end, they play huge and, and there's no place for point guards to hide on defense against them. But I think it will be an issue for them trying to stop them. So how much fun have you had covering Boban? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. I think Boban is one of the nicest people I've ever encountered in my life. And I, I would not say that lightly. I mean, he's just he's just like such a free spirit, you know? I mean, he's he's really just a nice guy. Um, Where's he all, been all Where's the, he been hiding all these? Uh, I don't think anybody's heard of him. He's been on the Clippers, Jeff. Do you really need to ask that? It's still L- L.A. <laughs> it, it just amazes me that all of a sudden him and, and Tobias and their little show together, it just seems like it's caught on. Even outside, I was in Houston a couple weeks ago. People are talking about Boban. <laughs> it has. But you know what? You know what was our from a Philadelphia perspective, I don't know if anybody remembers this, but the first encounter that the Sixers had with him, he was on the Spurs in 2015-2016, and there was a game where the Spurs beat the Sixers by about 50, right? They're up by 50 points. They put in Boban at the end of the game, and he's matched up with Jaleel Okafor, and he's just given Jaleel Okafor the business. And Greg Popovich was trying to clear his bench, right? He's trying to put in his bench warmers, not run up the score, and Boban is just giving Jaleel Okafor bucket after bucket. <laughs> and that was the first time I, I ever saw Boban, and I just thought, oh, my goodness, this guy is ridiculous. Well, we talk about Boban, and you mentioned the bench. Let's talk about the depth on this team now and the rotation that they have. I don't completely still understand Brett Brown's rotation. I, you know, Kark Moss comes off the bench a little sooner than I would think sometimes. What are your thoughts on the depth they have there now, and what rotation do you think he's going to settle with for these players? That's a good question. Um, I I would agree with you. I don't think Korkmaz should be in the rotation now. I would, especially in the Celtics game, I would have played James Ennis over him. Um, I think just in general, in terms of their depth, I think it would be great if they had one more guy. Like it would have been great if they could have gotten Wesley Matthews on the buyout market, or even like Wayne Ellington. Just one of those guys that come off the bench and give a little bit of offensive spark. Um, but that being said, I think the Tobias trade helps their depth more than people realize, right? Like because they can stagger the starting lineup so many different ways. I mean, they can have basically two All-Star players on the court at all times, and then 
with that, I mean, you're not too worried about who your ninth guy is, you know. But um, I still think it would have been great for them to get one or two guys. I'm, I do not think Maz should be in the rotation going forward. I would give all those minutes to James Ennis and Jonathan Simmons. Um, and there's definitely some question as to whether Boban will play. I think Jonah Bolden was playing really well before, uh, before that trade. And I think there, there are some teams where Jonah Bolden's the best option. And, and obviously, matchups are going to matter. We do our weekly G League show for the Blue Coats, so we've seen a bunch of Justin Patton and Zaire Smith and Haywood Highsmith. With the new bench depth, do you think that those players are going to stay down with the Blue Coats now mostly, or do you think they're going to try and get Justin Patton up here in that rotation at some point? I I would be surprised if Justin Patton plays a role with the big club. I, I just think that, you know, I, and I like Justin Patton, but I think that, you know, with having guys, you know, Jonah Bolden's a rookie, but he's already shown that he can kind of, I mean, he can hang with, with you know, with the big leagues, right? Uh, even Boban has, is, is a veteran. He's got experience, right? I don't think Brett Brown is going to toss a rookie into the rotation with 25 games left. Um, the guy that, that has a little bit of a chance, I think, is Zaire Smith. Um, he, he could be an interesting addition to the bench, just kind of a situational guy, right, who has to come in and, like for an offense-defense sub, right, for J.J. Redick, where he could just come in and, and D it up for a couple possessions. Um, I would still be a little bit surprised if Zaire plays a, a big role, just because, like I said, it's, it's the same thing. I mean, a guy who's been injured the entire year, who's a 19-year-old rookie, I don't think Brett Brown has a ton of confidence putting him into a, in a playoff situation, but he could get some spot minutes here or there. We've seen some video come out of the Blue Coats of Zaire shooting. Any thoughts on his new form that he seemed to adjust a little bit? I think it's okay. I, I like I like it in, in theory. I mean, I don't think his form was perfect before, and I don't think it's perfect now. Um, I don't know. I, I think Zaire was always, going back even to high school, he's someone that, you know, it's not a technically perfect shot, but it comes out fluid. It comes out the same way every time, and you just kind of have to live with that. Um, but it, it, I don't love it. I don't love the change, but I think it's, like I said, Zaire is one of those guys who's never going to shoot with perfect form, and you just kind of have to wait and see what the results are. All right, so, so now that we're talking about not perfect form. People uh, who one, don't shoot. Yeah, one, one, one of our former Sixers, Markel Fultz, Took a uh, shot. <laughs> said, said the magic just don't tell you what you want to hear. What what is it that Markel Fultz is saying the Sixers didn't do that the Magic are going to do? I'm not really sure, to be honest. I wonder if that was just Markel kind of talking talking over himself and not choosing his words carefully. Um, I'm I'm really not sure because at least the vibe I got was that from a, a you know, just from a person, like a personal perspective, a human perspective, Markel and the coaching staff and all the players got along really well. I mean, if there was any any sort of like behind-the-scenes drama, I think it was with, you know, his agent and the front office and not liking how the whole situation was handled there with pulling him out. Um, but I, I, that's why I was really confused at that quote because I had always gotten the sense that Markel and the coaching staff and Markel and his teammates were always really close. So... I don't know. It might have just been him talking over himself. Does a lot of that hard feeling go back to that them pulling him out and TJ getting the big round of applause? Is that really where that animus started? It could have. It could have, yeah. But if you remember before before that even, like the couple games before that, Markel, remember that night in Miami where he, he double-pumped the free throw? Yeah. Um, How can I forget? Had, he had like a couple. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm still seeing right? memes about it. <laughs> yep, yep. But that was, you know, we kind of started to see his shot unraveling. And he hadn't attempted a three in, I think, like 14 games or something like that. So I think that might have been the final nail in the coffin uh, when they when they put TJ in over him. But you could really see it starting to unravel before that. I, 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 once he double-pumped that free throw, I just thought to myself, I don't see a way this ends well this year. Yeah, I'm just I'm, to me, I'm baffled as to why. I mean, he really was coddled here. I mean, especially for Philadelphia, he was re- even coddled by the fans. The fans, every for time sure, he yeah. would take a shot, whether he made it or not, they cheered for Can him. Can I make a prediction? Yeah. He won't be coddled by the fans when he comes back on the Magic. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it won't be this year either. <laughs> so so we have, we're lucky now to have a general manager in his first year who might be vying for general manager of the year, executive of the year. But in the meantime, down in, in New Orleans, the Pelicans just jettisoned their general manager. They're just imploding. What happened down there that the general manager's now taking the blame for Rich Paul trying to squeeze his client out of there and into L.A.? Yeah, I, that, that's, a, that's a mess of a situation. Uh, I mean, well, what, what I think started all of it was Anthony Davis left the game last night with an injury, right? And I think ownership probably had an emotional reaction to that because, you know, you're seeing this, this team was dangling Anthony Davis a little bit but then pulled him back and said, no, we're going to play him the rest of the year. And you could have gotten this godfather offer from the Lakers, right? Relatively, at least, not compared to what Boston can give, but everything the Lakers could give, they were offering it, right? right. And and the Pelicans turned it down. And what happens when you do that and then you put Anthony Davis on the court and he gets injured, right? If his value goes down, I mean, the general manager blew it, right? So... I think the ownership was probably a little bit ticked off with just their kind of utter refusal to to consider those types of trades. And then you look at the, the downside risk, like you saw last night when he gets injured. I mean, that could set the franchise back for years if his value goes down significantly. So I, I agree with you, but 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 it's not. See, I don't blame the general manager because at least our understanding was is that that Adam Silver called and said you have to play him. So, right. so yep. if you're if you're New Orleans and you're at risk of several hundred thousand dollars in fines, what do you do? I mean, I guess if I'm New Orleans, I say I got to protect my asset. If I have to sit him and you want to find me, you go ahead and do it. But if the league is threatening you, what is the general manager to do? If I'm the owner, it's the owner's fault. The owner should say to the general manager, "I have your back, no matter what the league decides to do." Yep, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that, and. uh you know, maybe it's maybe what we don't know is maybe behind the scenes, the uh, ownership was probably more inclined to want to trade him now than maybe the GM was. Because um, my understanding was that Dell Demps was never going to trade him before the trade deadline. That's um, what it and, seemed and like. I, it seemed like he didn't yeah, want to actually move. There was no counter offer. <laughs> no. Magic just kept increasing right. his offer until he had no players left. Yeah, and Magic negotiated with himself. <laughs> And you know what? It, it kind of made sense because that's the only way they can get Boston involved, and that's the only way they can drive up the bidding. And it's not like the Lakers' offer should go anywhere unless, of course, he gets injured. So I don't know. It's a, it's a mess of a situation. I've, I've never seen a trade request go down like this before. It's, it's really weird. It's the new generation well, of players. So, so the last question, if Rich Paul is behind this and Rich Paul is also LeBron's agent, 
Do we now have to worry, and, and supposedly Ben Simmons or somebody reached out to somebody so Magic Johnson could coach him this summer. It, but Elton we, Brand said no. Do we, do we have to worry long-term that this is part of Rich Paul, LeBron's plan to get all these guys to the Lakers, including uh, you know, little brother Ben Simmons? I would not worry about Ben, honestly. I, I think because... You know, he's obviously locked in or will be locked into an extension with the Sixers, right? Because after his rookie contract is up, he at, at most can become a restricted free agent and Sixers could match any offer. They can retain him for at least five years. And five years from now, LeBron James is going to be 39. You know, who knows who else he'll have around him still. I'll bet that by that time, the Lakers have mortgaged their entire future to get bring whatever stars in they can around LeBron. I don't know. I, I, I can't imagine it would be too attractive of a situation for Ben. It's a possibility, but it's not something that's like impending, at least for the next five years. So I don't think it should really be on anyone's radar. Watching the fans chant as another player on the team was on the line, LeBron's going to trade you, was something that I, <laughs> I haven't seen before. Just one more question before we let you go. After all the moves in the East before the deadline, a lot of teams bunched up at the top. What are your thoughts on on how the other teams fare heading into the second half of the season? Well, I think it's it's concerning that the Sixers haven't been able to beat those guys. You know, I mean, they're they're what zero and three against Boston. They're one and three against Toronto. They're I think only zero and one against Milwaukee. So, regardless, I mean, only having one win against those three teams is is really concerning even though, you know, obviously they've made all these moves later in the season. But I, I think that just in general, these four teams are pretty evenly matched. I think the Celtics have proven that they're a really tough matchup uh, for the Sixers. I think the Sixers match up better with the other two teams. But just on paper, skill-wise, I think it's really, really close. It's going to be a dogfight. And you know what? You know what? Somebody is going to get eliminated in the second round or maybe even the first round if Indiana sticks around. And it's going to be an ugly offseason for whoever that is, whether it's Kawhi Leonard with the Raptors, whether it's, you know, the Sixers and you worry about Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris, whether it's the Celtics and you worry about Kyrie Irving. This has so many implications for so many free agents. And like I said, all these teams are so evenly matched. It could be anybody. It could I be anybody. I worry about Milwaukee heading into the playoffs. They, What they did to add on is, is something that concerns me a little bit. But, uh, Mike, we, we appreciate it. We hope you get a little break watching the All-Star game this weekend. We'll, we'll watch for you on Twitter. Where can people find your stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so on Twitter, I'm at M-O'Connor underscore NBA. Uh, or you can find all my, all my pieces, all my articles on uh, theathletic.com slash Sixers. Um, yeah, give me, give me a follow or just check out The Athletic. Well, we always follow what you're doing. Appreciate you joining us and look forward to having you back on later in the season. Sounds good, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Mike. Take it easy. All right, Jeff. Where are you on on everything that we just heard? Break it down for me. Translate. Well, you know, my theory all season is that Jimmy Butler should be playing the point, but he he makes a good point. I'm still not— I think he just poo-pooed you and, like— He poo-pooed me a little bit, but, he, he look, he, he covers the team on a day-to-day basis, and, and I trust his judgment. I just—there's something about having been at the— Point and the the almost insult of it. If I were if I were Ben Simmons, I would be really insulted by what LeBron did to him. To to, to all of a sudden he crosses half court and LeBron just moves into the key. 
and you don't shoot. I mean, this is a guy who he sees as his, basically is his big, big brother. He practices when the offseason, and all of a sudden this guy says, I know you, and I know you're not going to shoot here. Are we nitpicking on this team? No. So no. no. So, so you don't think that this team is there? I think the team has the potential to do that, uh, to, to win, to win the whole thing. I really do believe that. But I don't know if it works, and the Celtics showed it again. The Celtics were doing all the playoffs, what they did last week and what the Lakers did, which is just sag back in. And they get very and, physical with the Sixers. Right, and and the Sixers do have this issue with their point guard, a tall point guard, not being able to guard a faster, shorter. They point didn't even guard. have Kyrie Irving in the game. Yeah, well, the, yeah, but their their other point Terry guard Rogier. is is good. Yeah. So I mean, I I think that the Celtics don't lose anything without having Kyrie in the game. I actually think, believe it or not, I, saying this in Boston may not be a, the friendly thing to say, but I think they're actually a better team when Kyrie's not in there because Kyrie is a James Harden type player and that he has to have the ball in his hands all the time. They move the ball around a lot better when Kyrie Irving is not in the game with Rozier distributing the ball. I know how you feel in general about All-Star games, the basketball All-Star game, Jeff. Your thoughts? I predict that somebody hits 200 points this year. So you're not a fan? There is no, look, it, it, it's fun for a while. The problem is is no, nobody wants to get hurt, which is perfectly fine. You don't want anybody to get hurt. But there is no defense. Like there, I used to love until the, slam, the fourth quarter. I used to love the slam dunk contest. But there's only kid. what four guys doing it. Most of which people don't even know these guys. Well, and that's the problem. You've seen all the dunks in the game now. So. Well, and Vince <laughs> Carter actually said uh, either last night or this morning. He said he used to look forward to the dunk contest. He doesn't understand why the stars are shying away from it, and I don't really understand it either. Injuries. That's the only reason. It's a dunk. It's not. It, it, you I, don't now look. If you're going to do what Blake Griffin does and jump over, over a car. car, your risk of injury goes up. But that a regular was great dunk, product placement, because like a day later he's out there driving a Kia advertising. Yeah, for it. Kia's been the sponsor I think since for that the was, NBA. That so. was fantastic. Do you like the three point contest? Yeah, I do like the. I like it better than I like it in a game. See, I enjoy the skills. It's like for me, it's like the NHL. Though I do enjoy the new NHL format. I enjoy the skills contests that they do. More than I enjoy the game. Nah, like Major League Baseball, I, I enjoy both the game and the home run derby. Football, I don't enjoy the game at all. At this point, this weekend, I just want to know whether or not they'll show any baseball on any network that I can watch. Well, you can try. I mean, there'll be hockey this weekend, and next next weekend you have the Flyers playing outdoors. Oh, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Why don't we hit the break now? When we come back, we'll talk Flyers outdoors. We'll talk the NFL. We'll talk a little bit more of everything. Stick with us. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.newjerseyshares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon residential landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. 
It's the Heart of Sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN with former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville. Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the Heart of Sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome back to the Heart of Sports on 610 ESPN. I'm Jason Springer here in studio with Jeff Cohen. All right, Jeff. What? Warm thoughts. So Warm we were thoughts. saying before Mike O'Connor joined us in the first segment. Yeah. Um, no Machado Harper signings. Yeah. So I'm just going to leave that go there. Uh, Matt Clinton. Why, why don't Why don't you just start a rumor? Not everybody else. Everybody has done else that. does it's, that. It's really no fun if everybody else is doing it for me to jump on the bandwagon. I'm not a follower. I'm a leader, Jeff. <laughs> I your face when I just said that yeah. was perfect and your lack of response and only chuckle was even better. So Matt Clintech came out yesterday I'll just chuckle the rest of the show and he <laughs> said I want to try and temper or manage the notion that a failure to sign one of these big free agent renders this a bad off season. We've had an objectively excellent off season in my opinion. It doesn't mean we're going to stop trying. We're going to keep pushing. Your reaction to that? Well, there is no such thing as an objectively excellent anything. It's subjective as yeah. to whether it's excellent or it's not excellent. So if you want to get into the weeds, yeah, there's where my I have my issue. But I do agree with him that they have had a very good offseason. If you take into account what they did, they got McCutcheon, not as a star, but as a good piece who is going to have veteran leadership and is going to have control of the locker room. You got the best catcher in the game, both defensively and arguably offensively, in JT Relamuto. You got a shortstop in uh, Gene Segura, who is a good defensive shortstop who does not strike out a lot. He is a huge upgrade for them at shortstop. You have Reese Hoskins moving back to first base, and you got rid of Carlos Santana. Uh, and you brought in a, a gaggle of of relievers who are all very good relievers, including Robertson. I don't see how that can't be a subjectively excellent offseason. I'm not saying don't go get them. I'm saying that without them, he has had a very good offseason. I think they're doing an excellent attempt to put the toothpaste, toothpaste back in the tube. You can't lower expectations after you've raised them so high. We, we, we have talked about this we have for a front months office, on this show. We have front office verbal diarrhea <laughs> in this city where Brett Brown started with uh, he was going to go star hunting, and then Middleton said that he was going to spend stupid money. It You can't say those kind of things is, I assume, your point. And I yeah. totally agree with the, you. The, that's the thing. It would have been considered a successful offseason if they didn't raise the expectations that they were going superstar hunting. Because they got a superstar in their new catcher. He just doesn't have the profile of a Harper or a Machado. He's got the numbers. Look, if you if you take every Marlin that's been traded in last year, they've all gotten even better than when they were there. That team was unbelievable. It, it, it is embarrassing what Derek Jeter... You want me to go off? Go ahead. Derek Jeter is as good a ball player as he was. He is equally bad as a general manager. He has gotten virtually nothing for Giancarlo Stanton, Christian Yelich, Ozuna, JT Realmuto. You want me to just keep going? It, it's they had all stars and a 
variety of positions and got virtually if you speaking go through of, the prospects it is not great prospects. speaking of what they got last week we were yeah. talking about Sixto sanchez oh don't really and his name was mentioned in the same part as pedro martinez can you clarify that you're not saying that he's pedro martinez for the person who decided that they needed to troll us <laughs> on, on this he regularly trolls yeah. you he uh, enjoys just, just so we're clear Nobody said Sixto Sanchez is the next Pedro. I said, even if he turns out to be the next Pedro, it is still worth making the move now. And it's more about body type for what he throws. I know, I know in the city we like to kind of turn things into just, something they're I not. Just wanted to, I wanted you to, to give the chance to respond. Aaron, you want to talk about not spending stupid money. Yeah. Aaron Nola signs a four-year extension with a team option for the fifth year. It seems like a great deal for the Phillies. Yep. Uh, I mean, he's the face of your team from a pitching but, staff but perspective. But as you pointed out to me beforehand, before the show started, uh, apparently the Players Association isn't happy with Aaron Nola's deal. Are you surprised by that? He uh, took less um, money um, than they thought he should I, get. Look, I'm a, I'm a player guy. Uh, well, I just don't understand how this group of agents and, and the Players Association think that players shouldn't do what is best for them. They are they are a union in name only. Okay, no other union allows its own all of its members to negotiate separate deals. That's not the way a union works. But this union does. So if Aaron Nola decides that he wants to trade the protection of having four years where he's getting a guaranteed salary for uh, the upside of a shorter deal where he gets hurt, why should he not be allowed to do that? Why does the I understand that the union wants to keep pushing up numbers, which is why they're unhappy with what's going on with Machado and Harper. You're starting to see a lot but, of people speak out about that, players who are talking about yeah, it. And, and is that an imperfect wrong. messenger for the, that issue? Which which one? The players who have huge salaries uh, criticizing people not I think being it's ridiculous. Look, if it, if it turns out that the league was somehow colluding, which I don't think they are, then, then that's one thing. But if But if we're now in this age of these advanced metrics, which I'm not a big fan of but if you're going to live by these metrics you're going to to hear you're going to die by these metrics right so here's the situation it was not hard to tell that once you hit your mid-30s you start to go downhill as far as your statistics so if you have a guy who's in his mid to late 20s giving him a 10-year deal where his salary increases every year when the returns towards the end of the deal are going to go down doesn't make sense. So if you now only get two hundred and fifty million instead of three hundred, and you only get seven years instead of ten, uh, you, you're going to have to go cry your river somewhere else. I've told you a few times I'm more concerned with starting pitching right now than the lineup. Uh, pitchers already dealing with injuries. Jake Arrieta says he pitched last season from June on with a torn meniscus. And nobody knew? Believes that impacted his performance. He had surgery in January, already thrown off the mound. How did nobody know? I I don't know. You would have to be icing that thing. You would think that there would be some type of treatment. He waited until no one was looking to ice his knee? I don't know. You would would think that, that somebody knew. I mean, look, I hope he's right in that... Some of his struggles were as a result of the pain that he felt in the knee. I He still wasn't too shabby as a pitcher. But no, and it'd yeah. be great to see him come back in better form mm-hmm. as your number two with Nola locked up, especially because Jared Eikhoff, who had surgery to address carpal tunnel syndrome in October, thought he had the problem fixed. But Gabe Kapler said that he experienced more symptoms in January. He's seen doctors. 
He's not a candidate for more surgery now, but he's not going to throw in the bullpen for about another week. Man, I feel so bad for him. He was he, he so was, good in 2016. Yeah, and, and I thought he was going to be the Kurt Schilling type horse. You know, he now, had, okay, clarify yeah. again. You're not saying he's Kurt Schilling. No. You're saying that no, he was a I'm type of horse. I'm saying that his body type, he had the, the, the strong lower half, which usually protects you against having arm injuries because you're using your legs to generate a lot of your power. And and I thought and he had that that really good curveball. I, I thought that he was going to be one of the guys who all I meant by that was a guy who could go deep into games all the time, and that's what I mean by that. So troll, I'm, go away. I'm glad you clarified yes. that. Uh, well, we do appreciate the but listening, but I, but I but I but I have a, I have a question for you. You said you're concerned about the the starters. Are I don't you take questions. Are you are you concerned <laughs> about the st- Starters, or are you concerned about the openers? Well, they're technically the same thing. No, they're not. The but same thing. I, I am. I am concerned. By the way, ab- my I am now uh, Madison Bumgarner's biggest fan. Yeah, because he said if you try and take I, me I out, I could not stand him as a pitcher, but because he would kill the Phillies. But but when he when he texted his manager and said, "If you put in an opener in my game, I'm walking out of the stadium." I think you're going to have to get used to that with this team, though. I think you're going to see with games. this team or this or this game. This team, I think that the Phillies once they get once they get past their top two starters, you you tell me you you're the one who can't stand Vince Velasquez as a starter, but doesn't mind him as a four inning opener. So if, no, I, no, if no, you no. look at I what don't they've call got him an opener there now, I call him a four inning starter. But that's an opener. No, no, an opener is a guy who pitches one inning. I'm glad we've drawn the line there. Well, that's what they, the open. That's what the, the they've defined the opener. I don't as. think we're going to see as much of that, but I think you're going to see into the bullpen by the fifth inning a lot of nights. Well, and they, I think they, there are going to be very long games with a lot of changes for lefty righty matchups with all the arms and, down there. And do you know what's going to happen to all those arms when you get to August? They're, They're all, all going to be worn out. It's he's Gabe Kapler is going to have to do a job in you terms can't of managing have all these those guys arms. pitching a hundred games. I Look, don't care if they pitch a third of an inning. You can't keep doing that to an arm. Time for them to try and get another arm, but it doesn't seem like that's wait, in wait, the wait, plans wait, wait, right wait, now. Wait, wait. So, so who do we have as our starters? We have Nola, who will clearly open opening. Arietta, Arietta, who may be ready for opening. Ikoff is sure. out. Ikoff's out. You have Pavetta, Pavetta, Velasquez. Right. Who else? Who's your fifth starter? Is Cole Irving going to come up and be your fifth starter? I wouldn't mind it. Um, but, I mean, that's what I'm saying. What they, about Jojo Romero? Th- but they don't have the established guy. Ranger Suarez. You're, I'm but, not a big see, fan of. But, but yeah. you, as the fan of the minor leagues and the show that we do, is right. saying these names. But if you're just looking at a major league roster and you didn't know who these guys were, right. it sounds ridiculous that you're naming three minor league guys uh-huh. to be the fifth starter on a team that's supposed to contend it's for something. It's a fifth starter. It doesn't matter. It's a fifth starter. We we won Didn't a the lot Phillies of games have five aces Kendrick. with Joe Blanton? <laughs> five aces, well, Jeff. It was it was his hit. It was his hit. I I, I do yeah. not think that um, they want to go into the season with with one of those arms from AAA. Well, uh, see that that's solvable. Okay, even if you sign Machado. Well, you still think you they trade Cesar? Huge, well, you have two huge pieces. If you well, actually, you have. Yeah, you have two or three. Go ahead, Jeff. Learn to count. No, because it, it depends. <laughs> if you sign Machado, which I still don't want him, but if but if you sign Machado, you now have uh, Franco, who's expendable. You have e- and you have either Kingery or Hernandez 
expendable. You can get a pretty darn good pitcher for that kind of I think Hernandez is worth much more than Kingery right now. And yeah. it seems like but at that's least not what the that's not what Clintech's planning on doing. And I, I mean from what we hear for what Kapler's saying, Kapler's saying that it's gonna be between Kingery and, and Franco, Franco at third. At third. Which I know is going to make you lose your mind that they're going to now put Kingery out of position again, even though Kingery right now is the utility odd man out with the guys that are in I, this lineup. I understand, but here's the, here's the problem: when when you get drafted and you get put at a position, as we've talked to countless minor leaguers, where they played in high school is a lot different than where they play at college because of the, the assessments they make. There is a reason you get put at second base. And that reason usually is the lack of strength of your arm. Which you kind of need for third base. Right. So we've seen Kingery at third base. He can get the ball over to first. He can't get the ball over to first the way Franco can. Now, Franco will make errors, but he will also make some dazzling plays over there. He's got a, he's got a gun for an arm. I don't see Kingery as a third baseman long term, and I don't see Kingery as having the bat to be at third base. You surprised at all that Odubel came into camp and admitted that he lost concentration at time during games last year, and that's his goal is to concentrate more. <laughs> I only <laughs> wanted to ask you that on the air because I wanted to get your natural laughing reaction to oh, that. Oh, boy. Uh, if you look in the outfield, though, it looks like... Oh, wait, 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 wait. You do remember that there were times that Odubel was in the batter's box and a pitch was thrown and he wasn't paying attention, right? I think that that's why I told you it the way that I did. Odubel is Odubel. If if I had my druthers, he would also be part of a package for a couple pitchers. Hopefully, by the time we head to spring training in early March for our High Hope show and the show that we do for the Heart of Sports from down there, uh, some of these players have signed and there are answers as mm -hmm. to what's going on. Uh, your thoughts? Any chances of that three weeks now? You would think they would want to get into camp. To camp. I mean, you'd want to get set on these teams, mm -hmm. so... We'll see. Did Harper play on that team that went to Japan in the offseason? God, why do you ask me these things? Well, the there? only reason I ask is because I thought it was interesting that this week that uh, Rayo Mudo said that one of, the th one of the reasons that he ended up coming here is because he spent that time. He was with on Reese that Hoskins. trip with Reese Hoskins, yeah. and Reese Hoskins kept talking about how great it was to play in Philadelphia. And he didn't think that they were going to trade for him. Real Muto did. Right. So, so he was like, well, I, well I'm not going to get there. So what are you talking to me about it for? But but Reese Hoskins apparently is a decent recruiter. He, he and, and look, Real Muto seems like a decent guy. I mean, I, I look forward to having him on the team. He just seems like a guy who wants to get to work. He drove 19 hours with his wife, child, and dog in the car right after they found out they were going to the Phillies to make it to Clearwater. I don't know. what. How old was the kid? Because I don't know which would be worse. It's like seven than a, months old. Like a ni 19 hours with a seven-month-old and a dog. And a dog. Ooh. Right? That's a lot of stops. That makes you want to go to work. Yeah. All right. Let's talk a little. He was really only 60 miles away. Let's, <laughs> he just had to stop that many times. Right. Let's talk a little <laughs> Flyers here. So exactly one month ago yesterday, the Flyers were last place in the league with a record of 16, 23, and 6. 15 points back for the Montreal Canadiens from a playoff spot. Now, after an eight-game winning streak, points in 10 games in a row, they sit eight points back of Pittsburgh for that same wild-card spot going into their game tomorrow against the Red Wings. Mm -hmm. 25 games left in the season. Jeff, how many do the Flyers need to win to make the postseason, and do they do it? Is this a math question? Yeah, on the air. I'm not going to predict how many teams Come on, they do need it. to win. I think that they have an outside chance to do it. I think that what they've done is make this season exciting and uh, Making the playoffs is not my biggest concern. Making sure that we they continue to grow with Carter Hart and that they figure out the defense. Hopefully, Sam Marin 
gets healthy enough that we get to see him because he's a big, strong defenseman. Sanheim's been playing well as well he, lately. He has. Um, I don't think we're going to see McDonald here next year. I think that you know there may be some other changes that they make for next year, but they need to figure out the defense. But this team has become very exciting to watch. And, and I mean, even the game that they lost, they had 50 shots. 50 shots. Now, you know, I, I'm at Flyers games and people are screaming, shoot. That wasn't one of the games that you should be yelling shoot because they shot every time they went down. That's a lot of shots. Yeah. Now, despite the really good play of Carter Hart and Anthony Stolarz, you're seeing reports of the Flyers interested potentially in Cam Talbot. Why? So apparently he's Carter Hart's mentor. They, okay. they train in the offseason and they're very friendly. The deal would potentially involve Stolarz, mm. who's a free agent at the end of the season. And could want to be a starter in the league, knowing that Carter Hart is your long-term starter. So I give you all these caveats now, because I know just at the top you're not a fan of that move. What's what's Cam Talbot's contract? I thought he had a multi-year contract. I think he would be here, but I think he would know coming that he's going to he, be the backup. He is the, he's the wor- statistically the worst goalie in the NHL, I believe, this year. Starter. I don't think that they're getting him as much for their goaltending. Uh, I mean, as... I went to the the Edmonton Fly, the Flyers game, and he was bad. So you don't think that this is about trying to develop Carter Hart more? I'm not saying it's a good Look, move or bad. I'm trying if, to figure out the motives. If Stolarz is not going to sign at the end of this year and has indicated that he's going to leave, I guess I I don't mind it. Except I don't have a, I now don't have a good backup goalie. And you so, finally have one. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you're not going to. What they've had the last couple of years with the Elliot Neuver and five other guys, you know, off the Zamboni. Brian Elliott's it, almost healthy again this week. Okay, well then trade him. Well, that's what I would do. Him. I would trade him uh-huh. and keep Stolarz. <laughs> that assumes and, that Edmonton wants him. Boy, Edmonton has gone completely off the rails. They fired their general manager. I, they I, fired their coach. I so. thought that they were going to be Stanley Cup worthy this year. How can any team with Connor McDavid be that bad? Man, if we had, if the Flyers had gotten him a couple years ago, that would have been so. Cool. Uh, one of my partners kept talking about all he wanted to do was tank for Connor McDavid, and I didn't know much about him other than what I heard. I hadn't seen him, and seeing him, seeing him on TV is one thing. Seeing him in person, he's so fast. He is big, strong, fast. fast. I mean, he he's like the Mario Lemieux of this generation. You love comparing people to other players. I'm bad at that. Yeah, I'm I'm really bad at finding comparisons to other people accurately. Does that come easy to you? Because it do, it doesn't to me uh, finding who somebody I, I is. I think it involves watching. Is it just that you've been around sports, long enough to, to have a frame of reference? Oh, there? so we're going to go old. Is yep. that is go that ahead. where go it there. is there? Uh, just, you know, you didn't mention the most important thing though, which is Gritty is going to be an uncle. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, he seems more excited than the Giroux do. His Twitter account is amazing. <laughs> uh, Gritty congratulated Claude Giroux and his yes. wife on their uh, coming baby. Um, it was impressive how they did that with the little. Uh, candy hearts that yeah. they don't even make anymore. I, I just Gritty's reaction and Gritty's Valentine's Day messages were hilarious. Gritty's Valentine's Day photo was disturbing. Now on the, so <laughs> on those lines on our regiment show last night. Yeah, you you had spent the week trying to get Cody a date for the blue coats. Yeah. For those their, that their don't know, C- Cody is the ma- the horse mascot for for the Delaware. And you spent a few days on Twitter trying to get Cody a date to the couple's night event on Wednesday night. As far as I know, I was completely unsuccessful, but Cody hasn't called yet. But the question is, did you try for Gritty? No. Come on, Jeff. No. Help a Gritty out. I don't don't think I know the type of 
person that he goes person for. or mascot thing that, that he, he goes need, for. that he needs to complete him in all seriousness what's your feel on the flyers right now uh as they start the second half um you know big comeback win against minnesota the other night didn't look like they were going to pull it out they did points in 10 games straight how do you feel i i, I feel good about them i just think that they're too far back to to make make it to the playoffs but I think that they can make it exciting for the rest of the season, which if you had asked me that question 15, 20 games ago, I would have said this season's a disaster. They still have the fourth highest attendance in the league this season, which I found interesting for how bad they were at the start the of the Flyers season. The Flyers have always had, and and will always yeah, have, Yeah, they have a hardcore kind of fan base. A fan their, base. Their base is very um, out there. Under two weeks away from the stadium series game with the Pittsburgh Penguins outdoors at the link, they're putting down the ice. Jeff, are you going? No, no. Have you ever you you went to the outdoor game? I went game to, at I, went to the, I went to the Winter Classic and it was freezing. And I said, "That's it. No more of this." I enjoy watching outdoor hockey. I just think that the the spectacle of it all is so cool. It's one. It's one of the best things that that the NHL has done in in recent memory. Do you I, think they're overexposing it though? They have the Bridgestone Classic. They have the Stadium Series now. They have well, the Bridgestone Classic's the Winter Classic. The Winter so that's Classic. Not, they that, have. They should keep. Like, that. are they overexposing it? Or are they doing enough? Or like, I enjoy. I, I wouldn't saw, do much more of it. I saw at Michigan Stadium. They played the the outdoor hockey game there. It looked cool. Yeah. Well, that was the Winter Classic. No, but they played a college game on the outdoor. Oh rink, yes, they did, and that looked cool. Uh, too. I I did want to go to that one, but Spe- I did not go to. Speaking that. of Michigan, can yeah. I just ask uh, what happened to your team this week, Jeff? I don't know. What what happened to Rutgers this week? The same thing that always happens to Rutgers. Okay, but what well, happened to Michigan this week? Because you lost to Penn State. Th- that's fine. They're still in the top ten. Okay. So you're you're They're okay. They're twenty two and three. You're okay with you, what's that, happening. You're gonna talk smack with twenty two and three uh, and going to Rutgers. It, look, I went to if, Rutgers. If, if we you're can't gonna talk, talk smack, smack on anybody. It, well, that's it. So you may not want to talk the smack talk. No, it's not about talking smack on Rutgers. Else. I mean, I got <laughs> anytime somebody throws a Rutgers out there, I've got no response. It like ends the conversation. It's like, okay, yeah, you're right. All right, lots, and yet I threw out Rutgers, and you kept going. Yeah, I yeah, guess I took the bait. Lots of NFL, AAF news, football in the off season, Jeff. Okay, let's get to the uh, off the field issues before we talk Which about one? the Browns signed Kareem Hunt. Okay, so they said that they did a full background and research and believe he deserves a second chance. Mm-hmm. However, the incident a happened later. 15 miles from their facility. I was just going to ask you if you could tell and me how they, far. 15 miles, and they never talked to the alleged victim. Mm-hmm. How is that a full investigation? It's the Browns. It doesn't matter. It's the NFL. They settled today with Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed, guys they blocked out of the league because they decided to take a knee. And you're going to let a guy well, who not beats, Eric Reed. Eric Reed is actually signed already. You're going to let let somebody who literally beat somebody mm-hmm. kick them back into the league. I mm-hmm. don't understand this league from a PR perspective to an actual policy perspective. Look, if you take a step back from it, I do. Now you you said they're going to let him back in the league. It, should you be banned for for life? Is there not a chance of redemption? I believe that in certain situations there should be, but you have to show contrition first, and you have to show that you've educated yourself, and you have to show that you've changed. Kareem Hunt's done no, none of those things. He hasn't had the time to do any of those things. So if he came back a couple years later and showed contrition and was speaking it at uh, you know certain events and, and, and doing the right things in community service, that would be one thing. 
That's not what he's doing. He just laid low for a couple months, and then the this Browns will blow snapped over. Him up. Right, and 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 this isn't something that should blow over. Certainly not this quickly. And so, I I, I am disturbed that the Browns would do this. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me, especially they consider- have running backs too. Well, and, and and especially since it happened in in his hometown area, where it doesn't. It usually doesn't fare well for people who have troubles to go back home to the people that got them in trouble in the first place. Your thoughts on the news that broke this afternoon on Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed uh, withdrawing their lawsuit. Apparently there's a settlement, confidentiality agreements, so nobody's going to talk about it. Apparently league general managers and owners are speculating it's $40, 60 $80 million for the settlement. Which one? Uh, I've, I've seen between 60 and 80 right. as the number for each of them or combined? I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure your thoughts on this being settled. And is this the end of it? And does he get a chance in this league? Cause apparently oh, he wanted $20 million to play in the AAF. Yeah. Which is that odd other because football that, league. That, cause they all make 250 grand or something like that. I think that. it's 150. 150 grand. So, yeah. so I, I'm not understanding where he thinks that he would be entitled to more than an entire team makes, but. Um, look, he, he was blackballed. Uh, there's no question about it. It, it, it. You know, we talked often about as long as Nate Peterman had a job, <laughs> it, then, then there was a place for him. He was better than almost every backup except the one the Eagles had. So there's no reason that he shouldn't have been on a team. Now, he made the situation worse. His girlfriend made the situation worse at times by the things she said. But uh, I think that he deserved, based on what happened, to recoup the compensation that he lost as a result of this. However, if if you're asking me about will there be blowback to him, it depends on what the settlement is. Now, if the settlement's just money for compensation loss, then people should not give him a hard time if he continues to speak about the issues that were important to him, that he claimed were important to him. If he clams up now and part of the settlement is, is that he's not going to discuss these issues anymore, then you can say that he sold out. Are you surprised the NFL settled? I'm not. I didn't think that they ever wanted discovery with those text messages and conversations and emails out there in the public about what these owners are really talking about at that time. I'll say I'm surprised and I'm not surprised. I'm not. I'm surprised because the NFL never seems to settle anything. But but I am not surprised because of how ugly it could have gotten when people started reading the transcripts from the proceedings if it ever got to court. Let's talk about something I never thought we'd talk about on this show, the new football league that started last weekend. And in fairness, I wasn't even watching until you sent me a text message saying, are you watching this game? (laughs) No, I said there's football. There's football. And you were watching and I I was out. I was not. Your impressions of what you saw last week from the AAF and then I'll tell you the things that grabbed my If you like football, it was a good product. It was, you know, and, and they had interesting innovations to it. So... It was definitely, as long as you don't expect NFL level, if you expect college football level, I think that's what you're going to get. Let's talk about some of the differences. Well, well, the first thing is they do have to get rid of uh, Hackenberg because <laughs> he's not good in any league. Is this your I'm bitter against Penn State beating Michigan this week? Take? No, this is, Christian Hackenberg <laughs> is awful. He's terrible. Yeah. There are some differences between the NFL and the AAF. AAF there's no kickoffs. The ball starts at the 25-yard line. Mm-hmm. You like? Fine. It's fine with me. I don't need kickoffs. No extra points. Teams have to try a two-point conversion after every touchdown. Love it. In overtime, each team gets the ball on the 10 once with the first and goal. and has to score and go for two. You can't kick field goals in overtime, and the game can end in ties. Pray for no overtime. I hate ties. Yeah. 
No, the, I don't like the whole. The play clock is shortened to 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Onside kicks have been replaced by an onside conversion. If a team is trailing by 17 points, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Here's the one that I like. There'll be no timeouts and fewer full-screen commercials. Additionally, there'll be a Sky Judge referee who can communicate with the officials on the field in real time. Mm-hmm. That was the coolest thing I've seen in football in years, having the— Listening to the, the discussion. The ref judge up in the booth mm-hmm. doing the replay in real time. And, and there was one game where she was about to call it a touchdown, and she said, or a, a no touchdown, and she was like, you know, we don't see possession, we don't see possession. And right as she's about to tell the ref, you know, we're going to call it an incomplete catch, she goes, wait— no, elbow down, possession, knee down, touchdown. And it was just really cool to watch them go through that process. Oh, I, I, th- I thought that was the most fascinating part of it, but it's going to open them up to criticism, so we're going to have to see whether the NFL has the guts to allow that kind of openness you think in they its do? process. No. I think fans would like it. I like that. I mean, if you haven't seen it, you should check it out, but just because that is a fascinating to, – to see the process of what goes into those replays – is a fascinating look inside the game. There were some hits in this game that wouldn't go on in the NFL, yeah. like the one where the helmet popped off for mm-hmm. the guy. Um, it wasn't a helmet-to-helmet hit, though. No, it was just he hit him so, so that, hard that, that the helmet popped off. That in the NFL. Yeah, but not anymore because they'd say that he fell on him. I, I, I mean, oh, okay. I, I have no faith in what it is. Anything else that, that jumps out at you about this league? I was surprised that it was on Coaches? NFL Network. Coaches, yeah. I they're mean, all, I mean, they're. you have Mike Singletary, you have Steve Spurrier. I mean, you have Mike Martz. You have good coaches in this league, It which they, makes it good for a feeder league. What? Well, and that's the question. Does this become a feeder league yes. for the NFL? Because these guys have, they, they sign a three-year, $250,000 contract with an opt-out if an NFL opportunity comes during the offseason. Right. So they're setting it up as if you play really well, go. Do your thing. And, well, and it's also it's perfect timing because it's mostly guys who didn't get a chance to play in the NFL this year. So and and the draft doesn't take place for a couple months, so it gives teams a chance to evaluate those players before the draft. So will you watch week two? Eh. Do they get your attention? If Hackenberg's on, no. <laughs> How's that? For all, an all that stuff. You build it up. You say watch it. You're you gonna watch have it. To have no. decent quarterbacks playing. You're gonna look for some spring training baseball, aren't you? Instead of watching the AAF. Darn tootin'. Yeah, that's definitely what's gonna yes. happen. Brett, did you watch the AAF? Yeah, I watched the San Diego game. Oh, of course you of did. Of course you Does did. Kansas City Just, have a team? Uh, yet? coincidence. Just a coincidence. What's the name of the San Diego team? Oh, don't forget, ask him. Really don't like ask Atlanta, him that stuff on the air. Is it called Atlanta Kings. Atlanta Legends. Close, though. All right. They have a crown. Brett's going to have the last word there. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.